We've got a, a lot that we need to pray for tonight, right? We've got to pray for loved ones. We've got to pray for uh, people who are sick, people who need God to bring deliverance in one way or another for God to open up doors of uh, financial doors that are needed. And we're going to get to all that. I do want to share the, the word that God's put in my heart for all of us here tonight uh, because it's going to help us to lay a platform for some important prayer that I believe we have to offer up in the house of the Lord tonight. My thought comes from the prophet Haggai and, and his uh, book is in chapter one. Let me read the first 14 verses. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, meaning the people of God, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, is it time for you to yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while, the house, while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Say that with me. Give careful thought to your ways. Verse 6, you have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Say that with me again. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and, and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crop. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatile, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatile, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. 
They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. So if we just read, God raised up a man named Haggai to become a prophet, which is someone that speaks on God's behalf and, and, and either exhorts the people or foretells the future. Now, God's people at this point in time had returned from exile in Babylon. There was a remnant of this people that had come back uh, to uh, Jerusalem specifically, but back into Israel, but specifically into the city of Jerusalem that was allowed by the ruler of Babylon because he wanted the house of God rebuilt. And so people came back, but notice that, that the they came back here, uh, even though the temple is in ruins, the people came back for that purpose, but now they're not rebuilding God's house, even though they knew it was in ruins, and that was why they were allowed to come back. Uh, but in their priorities shifted now, and they were now focused on building their own homes, their own houses. Their focus was on their personal life and building up that not on building up God's house. And that's why God sent his servant, Haggai, exhorting the people to give careful thought to their ways. In other words, God was saying, I really want you to consider. It's an exhortation from God. I want you to really think about what you're doing. Think about the way you're living. Think about what your priorities are right now versus what they should be. And now, because he loved them, God also now reveals to them everything that you've been trying to do, I've been the one frustrating you. You've been so focused on trying to build up your home, which just symbolizes your whole life. And God is saying, you don't recognize that everything that you have tried to do that hasn't worked out has not been the devil. It hasn't been demons. It's been me. I've frustrated you. The monies that you've been making that should be coming to my house, but you've been putting in your own pocket, I put a hole in your pocket which means that the money you thought you were going to be able to use for what you want, somehow, some way, something else came up and it's gotten wasted. It, it didn't accomplish what you set it out to do. Everything that the people of God tried to do, even agriculturally, God said, guess what? I shut up the heavens. There's been no rain because I haven't let it rain because I don't want you to prosper. I don't want you to continue down the road that you're going down. I don't want you to become more and more complacent when it comes to building my house because your focus has shifted. Your priority now is on building your own home. And because I love you, I need to get your attention. And I've tried to do that by frustrating all of your plans. And at this point in time, because they still hadn't gotten it, now God raises up the prophet and tells them directly, everything that you've been experienced, all your frustration has been the hand of God. It's been my hand that has been against that. And so I want you to consider carefully, consider, give thought to the way that you've been living. And now the people finally get it and they listened. And now God gives a word again to the prophet and they, the Lord now, the Bible says, stirred up 
the leaders, who was the governor and the high priest, and all the people. And the word stir there in the Hebrew means to awaken. In other words, what the Bible is saying, God woke his people from their spiritual slumber. God's people had fallen asleep on the very reason, the very purpose for which they were there. And so God now, in his mercy and his grace, awakens them. He stirs up their spirit. And this great awakening caused the people now to reprioritize their life. And now they devoted themselves to building the house of God. Are you with me so far? Okay, one more verse, and then we're going to connect it to us. In Acts chapter 11, uh, verse 21, we find the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You remember, for those of you who were with us last week, last Wednesday night, we talked about God's hand being on the people to give them unity. And so here we find that God's hand is once again upon the people, but this time, and by the way, these people are not named. These are unnamed people that came uh, into uh, the town, and God's hand was upon them, and he gave them unity now, and he's helping them to build his house spiritually. How? Well, in reaching the lost. They preached the gospel, and people got saved. Now, let me connect all of this to us here tonight. And I, I just want to begin by also giving us a very quick spiritual history of America. America has had three great awakenings. The first awakening took place in the early 1700s uh, in the American colonies there. Uh, and that was the first of the great awakening, uh, the, the passion for God. Remember, America was first founded by people who loved God. They left England for, uh, to come to uh, the Americas so that they could worship God freely and not be encumbered by, by the religious rule that was taking place in England. So that you have these people now who came with this passion to serve God and to serve God freely, but yet now, while they began to living, passion for God began to wane. And now... Was the age of reasoning was kicking in. And the age of reasoning means it's just secular. Hey, we're here in the Americas and we got to focus on establishing ourselves. We got to focus on establishing our new towns, our new community, and we got to build up our businesses. And that began to be the focus of the people. That was what was emphasized. And God rose up men filled with the Spirit who began to preach about getting back to having a passion to serve God. And once again, in this first great awakening in America, the people's hearts were stirred. The spirit of the people was stirred. And God brought about a great awakening where people got back with a passion to serve God. He woke them up from their spiritual slumber. Then in the late 1700s, there was the second great awakening in America. Again, spirituality had begun to wane in uh, the late 1700s, 1790, and 
all of a sudden now, once again, the church was not in a good place spiritually. And again, the, the Lord stirred up the spirit of the people. And once again, he raised up men who began to preach uh, the, the word of God to them. And now the people recognize we have not fulfilled the purpose of God, and that is to reach the lost. And in this great awakening, what began to happen, uh, people began to hold special offerings. Churches began to hold special offerings specifically geared for missions, number one, and to raise up money to financially support new Christian colleges that they wanted to establish so that they can prepare men for the ministry. And I say men because in those days, there were no women in ministry. It was all men that were allowed to be in ministry. This is where we get uh, the, the, the birthing of many of the universities that now, once again, are, are more secular, but they were birthed as Christian universities, you see, where God now establishes seminaries, Christian colleges, uh, mission societies, all geared to get the church back and to establish and send out workers so that the gospel would be preached and souls would be saved. And that was the second awakening. The last and third, uh, third great awakening took place in the mid-1800s to the early 1900s, to about 1920. That was the third great awakening in America where God stirred the hearts of his people one more time in a twofold way. Once again, we find secularism had come back into the church. And now God raised up once again men and even women this time to preach the gospel, but now to preach to the people of God and say, we need to get back to living right before God. We've gotten to way past what we're supposed to be doing in the sense of there is no holiness in the church any longer. We are no different than those who are not saved. And a great holiness movement uh, began to spread across the church in America where people started repenting of their lifestyle. People started turning away from things that they knew did not please God and got back to living a righteous and holy life before God. It was in this last great awakening that was also the birth of Pentecostalism where people... Uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw that the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the full manifestation of all the gifts of God, did not die out with the apostles, but that we, the people of God, can experience this extra dispensation of the Holy Spirit and be empowered by the Spirit of God, not only to live righteously in God's sight, but just as importantly, to go out and win souls for Jesus Christ. And in this last great awakening is where we got the full gospel movement came out of that. Three great awakenings that have taken place in our nation that where God has stirred up the spirit of his people. Now, here's what I find the common thread in these great awakenings. Two things. Number one is what God does on the inside. In every great awakening, 
God renewed a passion in the hearts of his people for him. In every great awakening, what God did on the inside of his people was renew this passion to live for God, to serve God, to worship him as never before. That's one of the evidences of a, of a true great awakening. The second evidence is what God does on the outside. And by the outside, I mean what people do with that passion. And you notice that the people build the house of the Lord. When there is a true great awakening, a spiritual awakening in, among the people of God, when God moves and stirs the spirit of his people, not only will they have a passion for him, uh, but that passion must be exercised and will be exercised in them going out and serving God passionately. In other words, they'll be, they'll be not just serving ministry in the house, but they're going to go outside of the house to win souls for Jesus Christ. In other words, if we don't have a love for the lost, you cannot have a great awakening. A great awakening is evidenced by passion for God and passion for the lost. Those are the two things. And so this is what I want to pray for tonight. I want to ask God, to stir the spirit of his people again. America needs a fourth great awakening where, where, where God sees the condition of his house, where, where the people of God are not in the place that, that they should be. We're not living as God desires us to live in, in righteousness and holiness. They, we don't have the passion for the Lord the way we ought to have it. We have a passion for a lot of other things, but we don't have a passion for Jesus. Our, our focus, our priorities is more on building our own personal life rather than building the house of God. We need the Lord to do something that only he can do. And that stir the spirit of the people up, you see. And I want to pray in two wise in the, regarding this great awakening. I want to pray in a moment and ask you to join with me that God would pour out his spirit on all the servants that he has that speak the word. A great awakening must first take place in leadership before it can take place in the people. And what I mean by that is this. Haggai did not hold back the word of God. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't try to give the people what he knew they wanted to hear. He wasn't interested in trying to get followers. You know, we live in such a day and age that, that if we're not careful, we begin to preach another gospel. A, a gospel of complacency. A gospel that's fluff. A gospel that talks so much about the love of God. And I love the love of God. But see, we can talk all day about the love of God and not live righteous. There has to come a point where, where the word of the Lord comes to a, 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 the man of God, the woman of God, and say, God is telling me that I need to call sin, sin, and that if I see something that's in the house that's not right, I need to let the people know we are not right before God. 
And I want to pray. I'm not talking about browbeating the people, but I'm, pray, I'm praying for a fresh anointing upon every servant of the Lord that we would bring the people not a nice sermon, but the word of the Lord. Whatever it might be, God, I want the word of the Lord. And if it's a word that is going to point out where we're not right, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't want to talk harsh, but I want to talk truth to the people. An anointing that when God's servants speak, the people will respond as the people did then. And say, we're not right. Haggai is right. And notice Haggai didn't hold back either when he, when he focused on the governor. When he focused on the high priest's son. In other words, just because they had positions didn't mean that they were exempt. That he was willing to say, you, you're not living right. You're focused on this and you're a leader. We gotta get, you got to get right. If the people are going to get right, you got to get right first. So we got to pray for our leadership, the servants that God has, to, that they would preach what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Yeah. Secondly, I want us to pray for the body of Christ in general, that we would give careful thought to our priorities. I, and this is not, well, I wish so-and-so were here. No, this is for every single one of us personally. Give careful thought. In other words, God is saying, examine your priorities. Do they line up? Are you focused on building my house? And for you and I today, what that means is, are you doing what I have called you to do? In the house and outside of the house. We build God's house up spiritually. Why? How we do that? By serving others in the house and reaching the lost outside of the house. That is the twofold pathway of how you and I are called to build God's house. So we got to examine ourselves. And then lastly, that God would do what only he can do. And that is stir the spirit of the people. There's a huge difference when a, a, a person that is preaching stirs you up emotionally. You know, you, you, pastors know what to say to amp up the crowd. To say, oh, I know this is going to get it. This is going to get an amen. And this is going to get that. You can get into that emotional thing. But emotion is not spiritual. Emotional is not transformational. Only the Spirit of God transforms. I can stir your emotion, but that doesn't mean that I have stirred your spirit. Doesn't mean that I've gotten through. You ever get to a point, I, I used to remember this uh, when I was younger and, and just unsure about uh, the Spirit of God moving and I was new to that all. And there were times where I got caught up in the emotionalism. You know how you've you gotten caught up in the emotion when you leave and somebody says, how was church? It was good. Okay, what happened? I don't know, but it was good. If you don't know what happened, then nothing happened. 
Then all that transpired was somehow you got tickled in your emotions and you got, oh, I got goosebumps. That's why I know God was there. And we get caught up in all these things. I want the real deal, don't you? I want God to move in such a powerful way that he would stir the spirit of the people to realize we're not in the right place. We got to get right and we got to get busy. We got to get right and we got to get busy doing what God wants us to do. Kat, would you just begin playing something quietly right now? So I know you've been sitting for just a few minutes, but Sissy, I'm going to ask you to come up. I want you to stand. We need to pray. And begin prayer in this wise. Sister Sissy is going to lead us in a few moments. And I'm going to ask her to pray for every servant that God has raised up to, to preach the word of God. That they would preach the unadulterated truth of the word of God. Sister Sissy, would you come and just be right over there on that X if you could? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As she's coming, come on, let's just lift up our hands right now as she prepares to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we come to you tonight, God. We come to you tonight, God. We come to you tonight, Lord. We're hungry to see another great awakening taking place, oh God. We're hungry to see a powerful, mighty move of God take place, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We're calling upon your name tonight. We're calling upon your name tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Every hour, Lord, we need you, Lord. Every moment of every day, we need you, Lord. Oh, if it wasn't for you, Lord, where would we be, oh God? If it wasn't for your power and your amazing grace, oh Lord, where would we be, Lord? Oh, Father, we thank you for this honor to be in your home, oh God. We thank you to be in your sanctuary. We thank you, Lord, that you brought us through. You allowed us to walk through that desert road, oh God. And you brought us, oh Lord, to your kingdom, to your place, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, we honor you tonight, Lord. With thanksgiving, Lord, we offer up praise, oh Lord. With thanksgiving, oh God, we give you glory and honor and praise. You said, Lord, to bring our requests boldly before you, God. And so tonight, oh Lord, even as Haggai, God, we come boldly asking for the stirring of the spirit, oh Lord. Even as you stirred the waters, oh God, and the healing came forth in that pool of Solomon, oh God. Lord, stir up the waters in our souls, oh God. Stir up the waters in the leadership, oh God. Stir up your spirit, oh Lord, that they can't wait to come into the house of the Lord. Let that word be written on their hearts that says, I was let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, Lord, let us come running in. As you ran after us, let us run after you. Let us seek you as a hidden treasure. Oh, Lord, let us seek you while you may be found. Oh, Lord, stir up our spirits. 
stir up our leadership, stir up the hearts of the lost, stir up the lost of those that are unsaved, those that are backslidden. You said you're married to them, oh God. Stir us up, oh Lord. Stir us up in this hour of need and this dark world, oh God, that we live in. Lord, stir us up, oh God. Stir your people and fill your pews. Oh Lord, on a night of prayer, every pew should be filled. Every pew and every altar should be filled. There's so much to pray for, Lord. Stir our hearts for what stirs yours. Stir us up, oh Lord. Stir us up, oh God. Oh, let us not turn away, but let us run into the house of the Lord with the same fervency that we do the things we do when we go to the ball games, when we go to whatever we do. Let us have that same fervency, oh God. Let us be stirred up. Let us be stirred up what stirs you up, oh Lord. Oh, Lord of Oshandarabasi. Oh, Lord of Oshandarabasi. Let us be stirred while we can be stirred. Let us go into the inner courts. Let us seek you as a hidden treasure. Oh, let us be stirred, oh God. Stir us up, Lord. Oh, we don't want your spirit taken from us. We don't want it removed from us. We want it so, Lord. We desperately need you, Lord. We desperately need you, Lord. In this hour, in this day, in this moment, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up, Lord. Oh, Lord, let us realize it's a matter of life and death. Help us, Lord. Convict our spirits. Convict us, Lord. Lord, as pastor said, let our hearts be convicted, Lord. Not a sweet sermon that we can just eat on and go out and feel good, but a sermon that comes into our spirit and dissects our hearts and lets us get stirred up. And we say, Lord, let us walk in the calling that you've called us in. Let us sell all, forsake all, and go after you, Lord. Oh, stir us up, God. Stir us up tonight, Lord. Stir up, oh God, your people who are called by your name. Stir us up, Lord. Oh, let it be Stir us up, God. Stir us up, Lord. Let us not be lookers. Let us not be on the sidelines looking in. But let us get into the game, Lord. Let us get in, oh God, for your glory. You said work while it's day because the night comes when no man can work. Oh, Lord, stir us up. Stir us up and fill up the pews, God. Fill them up, Lord, with those that are hungry and thirsting after righteousness sake. Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up, Lord. Let us hear that voice that tell us the way to go therein. Stir us up, Lord. Stir us up, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, stir us up. Stir us up. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I pray that you would give the word of the Lord to every one of your servants, Lord. Whether they teach Sunday school or Bible study, 
whether they preach, oh God, to children or to teens or young adults or in a, a, a regular normal church service, oh God, I call upon your name, whether they're evangelists or prophets or prophetess, God, I pray that you would give them a transforming word, that you would give the word of the Lord to the prophet, put that word in, his, in their mouth, oh God, that word that would bring conviction to the hearts of the people, oh God. I pray for the people, oh God, that they would give careful thoughts to how they're living, that we would all reevaluate, oh God, as we come before you, oh God, in your holy presence, oh God, as the Spirit would move, oh God. I ask, oh God, that the Spirit of the living God would begin to shine brightly in every heart, illuminating every mind, oh God, and enabling us to begin to consider, to give careful thought to our priorities, to examine how we're living, to make sure that our focus is not on building our own personal life, but it's on building the house of the Lord. For that is the very reason why we are here, to build your house, to build it within and by serving one another, and to build it by going without and ministering the gospel. My God, open our eyes, oh God. Open our eyes, oh God. Open our eyes, oh God. So that our spirit will not have rest, oh God. Whether again, whether they're in the Bible study, whether we're watching services online, oh God, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word of God so that we will not be able to sit still. We will be pricked in our heart as the old saying goes, oh God. We will be convicted. Our hearts will recognize we are not in the right place with God. And it won't be condemnation. No, it'll be conviction. It'll be that sweet voice of the Spirit of God telling us, this is not right. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. I pray today for the echoing voice of the Spirit of the Lord. Echo throughout every spiritual heart today, God. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with all. Oh, let them hear that. Get right with God. Let every backslider hear. Get right with God. Get right with God. Let every complacent soul hear that. Get right with God. Get right with God. So that the people will respond and their hearts will become tender so that the Spirit of the Lord can stir their spirit and they can get busy doing what you called them to do, Father. God, every great awakening in our nation had a significant impact in history. And I pray in this 
hour of great darkness, in this hour of great despair and depression, I pray, God, for another great awakening, oh God. We pray for another great awakening, oh God, that you would pour out your spirit and stir the spirit of your house, oh God. Stir the spirit of your people, oh God. Stir us, stir us, stir us, oh God. Stir us out of the complacency, oh God. Stir us, oh God, out of thinking that we know what we're doing and, and we're focusing on the wrong thing. Stir your house, oh God, so that we can make an impact on this generation for the glory of God. Seeing lives transformed, seeing souls saved. That is our great desire, Father. And we pray this in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, amen, and amen, and amen. Blessed be his wonderful name. Blessed be his wonderful name. Can we continue in your, in your own devotional time? Can you continue to pray that? God, we need a great awakening. And, and listen, personalize it. God, begin with me. Begin this great awakening in my own spirit, God. And we're going to see God do something phenomenal that's going to bring great glory to his name. I'm going to ask Pastor Joey if you can make his way to the platform. And I recognize that there are some basic needs that we need to lift up before God. There are many who are still sick, many who are battling cancer or of some illness of one form or another. Excuse me. As most of you know, we had a tornado that took touch base in the Naperville area. Thankfully, nobody died, but there was a great loss of property. People's lives are upended in so many which ways. Many of them believers. So we want to pray for all of the needs that are here. You may have a need to say, Pastor Joy, just remember my need, financial need. Remember my need, my marriage. Remember my need, my children. Remember my need. I have a loved one that's not right with God, that's lost, that needs salvation. I'm just going to invite you to lift up your hand if you have a need tonight that we want to incorporate in this prayer tonight for God to move by his sovereign will to touch lives, to bring physical healing emotional healing to bring a, a transforming wind into people's lives that will provide for their financial need their basic needs these all these people in the Naperville area all of these prayer requests we're going to just lift them up to the throne of grace tonight let's agree with Pastor Joey as he prays Heavenly Father we're so grateful that we can turn to you God Lord we're grateful for all the things we have on this earth we're grateful for the jobs that we have. We're grateful for uh, the medical assistance that we can get. Lord, there's so many resources that you have enabled on this planet. There is no greater resource than the throne of grace. And Lord, we're so grateful that we can boldly approach that throne of grace with whatever need we have and make sure that we can bring it before you. And so, Lord, that is what we're doing tonight. 
God, you see every hand that's raised, you know, every need that's represented by that hand, you know, every need that's represented, that's watching online, you know what it is that we're so desperate for. And God, we thank you that you're not so far off God who, who doesn't care and is not empathetic towards our needs, God. You care about it as much as we do. So Lord, we cry out to you, Jehovah Jireh. We ask you, Lord, our provider, our sustainer, the giver of everything, Lord. We ask, would you come in in a mighty way, oh Lord? Would you make a way in that financial situation, God? where we're continuing to calculate that numbers and, and they're just not adding up the way we need them to do. And Lord, in the same way, you were able to frustrate the people in Haggai and they weren't able to figure out why is it that I can't afford this? Or you can do the reverse. Or you can make it so that we don't know how the finances are gonna show up, but by the grace of God, they will. Lord, we know that you are capable of eradicating any illness, God, of just speaking the word, Lord. And Father, there are so many that are struggling. Lord, not just with COVID, God, we thank you that, that we're seeing uh, the corner on that, God. And we thank you that we're beginning to progress. That doesn't mean it's the end of all diseases, God. And Lord, we know that there are still cancers in this world. We know that there are still other diseases in this world. We know that there are common diseases, Lord, that, that plague us on a regular basis, God. Things that we have just learned to live with rather than turn to you. And God, we just ask the Lord of our hearts, the one who knit us together in our mother's wounds, would you have mercy on us, God? Would you bring healing in that situation, almighty King? God, we want to do it for your glory, God. We want to do it to baffle the medical community. We want to do it so that our unbelieving family members can know that there is a God in heaven who hears the cries of his people and cares and wants to do something about it. Lord, may these miracles come so that your name will be glorified. Father, we want to see you provide in our spiritual issues, God, and our mental health issues. God, this past year left more ravishing than physical ailment, God. There's been such a spike and an increase in depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and the enemy's whispers and lies. Lord, we pray for those that are susceptible to that. We pray for those who find themselves struggling, Lord. God, we're grateful for counseling. We're grateful for medication. But Lord, you are the ultimate counselor. So Father, we ask God, even now, Lord, for those who might find themselves in a dark place, for those who are hurting themselves, for those who are contemplating suicidal thoughts, Holy Spirit, would you speak to them now, Lord? Would the God of all comfort bring peace into their heart, God? Would you show them hope, God? Would you give them hope in the future? Would you let them have a glimpse of that, Lord? Bring the peace that surpasses all understanding to come upon their lives, oh God. Father, we're so grateful, Lord, because we have you, almighty King, because we don't suffer in this alone, because we're not in our own situation, isolated and away from everyone, as much as the world might want to tell us that. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, we just ask, have mercy on your people. Hallelujah. Those who you love. And Father God, even those who don't yet love you, we are so grateful that you still love them. And even those who are, are too angry or, or unknowing to say and to pray to you, God, we pray on their behalf. Lord, that that healing, that that provision, that that miraculous moment might be the gateway to their hearts opening up to you, God. Father, we see over and over again that every time you healed in the Bible, 
It wasn't just so that a person would be made well, but so that it was a community might believe. So Father, we pray that even in this revival, as we're crying out for revival over and over again, God, in every one of those revivals, we saw the miraculous happen. Yes. The lame were able to walk, the blind were able to see. God, people were healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it brought glory to your name and faith to the heart of your people. Yes. Let it be done in your name, oh God. Yes, we Lord. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.